Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone in the United States, Canada, and whatever time zone you are in right now around the world to the over 2 billion people that uh, I possibly can reach. Shalom. Peace. My name is Kennard. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. This program is for people who have the following characteristic. Matthew chapter 18. Let's turn there. Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Yeshua and said, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? If you're listening to me for the first time, if you've never heard the word Yeshua, that's Jesus' name in Hebrew, Yeshua. It means salvation. Matthew 18, verse 3, and said, Truly, I say unto you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so Yeshua says that you must be converted. What does it mean to be converted, ladies and gentlemen? We have a scripture in John 12, verse 40, to help us understand this. He has blinded their eyes, and he hardened their heart, so that they would not see with their eyes and perceive with their heart and be converted, and I heal them. So conversion has something to do with being able to to understand the Bible and understand that you are doing something wrong. All right? And so being converted involves that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, you, you certainly aren't converted if you can't understand the Bible and you don't know what's right and what's wrong. Neither can you repent. You can't certainly repent if you are not converted. And so here's some other scriptures to understand the process of conversion. Acts 3, verse 19, Repent! Ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. So if you don't know right from wrong, don't understand the Bible, your sins can't be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And then verse 27, for the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and that their eyes have they closed, that not they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted. And so that's the definition of conversion. That's the definition of conversion, ladies and gentlemen. You see, here's the problem, and most people don't really understand this, and this is pretty deep, so let, let me 
explain this to you, but in John chapter 14, John chapter 14, verse 16, and I will pray <clears throat> the Father, and he shall give you, John 14, verse 16, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Now, he's talking to his disciples at this point in verse 17, even the spirit of truth. So the spirit, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. It's not a spirit of error, ladies and gentlemen, whom the world cannot receive. So he says the majority of people cannot receive the spirit of truth. And that is a significant statement. It says, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know them, for he for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. And I you know there's a I have a Bible study on Shimmy Atzeret in the archives that will explain to you why the majority of people in the world cannot receive the Holy Spirit at this time. But that tells you a limited amount of people during this evil age truly have the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And so anyway, that that's another Bible study. Anyway, um, I may touch on this that concept about the spirit of error versus the spirit of truth in this in this Bible study because it certainly has everything to do with Purim and what it represents. Now I know on the uh, on the new moon calendar that I follow by observation <clears throat> that they will be following eventually in Jerusalem uh, based on what the Israeli New Moon Society uh, has desired to do. You can. Google them, the Israeli New Moon Society, and so that you understand what I'm talking about. But the calendar that I go by is um, the Karite calendar, and it's the the most accurate of the calendars based on on my studies and and observations. And based on that calendar, I know that uh, Purim, according to the Jewish calendar, was um, Wednesday at evening on Thursday. Uh, actually, no. Um, yeah, it started on the 4th, on the 5th, around that time. But Purim, based on the um, new moon calendar, is today. Or a, um, actually, it started on Friday, and then another extension of it is on uh, Shabbat, Adar 14 and Adar 15, today. And so uh, I'm celebrating it today based on the new moon calendar. I'm going to do a study um, on this program and then on the other radio program that or station that I uh, do religious teachings on so you understand the calendar issues. But anyway, let's get into this Bible study. It's about uh, Purim and the Feast of Lots, the Antimessiah, and the Great Tribulation. And so this is about... The, the key players in, in, in the book of Esther, the Megillah, and this is something that uh, I suggest you read the entire Megillah or the book of Esther. It's, it's very prophetic, and it's a, it's a story about uh, King Asuerus, who was Queen Esther's husband. It's, it's also the concept of the Antimessiahs in this book, uh, represented by Haman. And also you have Mordecai. So Esther chapter 3 is pretty significant. Let's turn there. Esther chapter 3. 
to, to understand basically what the Book of Esther is all about and what Purim is all about. I know it's pronounced Purim, but um, that's the English uh, way, the Hebrew way of pronouncing it is Purim. Esther 3, verse 1. After these things, the king uh, Ahasuerus promote Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. Verse 2, and all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for, or Haman. For the king had so commanded concerning him, but Mordecai bowed not, nor did he reverence. Verse 3, then the king's servants which were in the king's gate and said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? And there's verse 4, And now it came to pass when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman, or Haman, to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand, for he had told them that he was a Jew. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman, or Haman rather, <laughs> Haman, full of wrath, and he thought, scorned to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had showed him the, the people of Mordecai, wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that throughout the whole kingdom of Ahasuerus, the people of Mordecai. And so let's understand, he's a, the um, Haman is a, a descendant of the Persians basically, who are the modern-day Iranians today. And that's the reason why Netanyahu, at his address to Congress, uh, he wanted people to focus on the Book of Esther. Because it's kind of interesting that all this uh, this um, situation with um, making an agreement with Iran to, to uh, delay their, their progress on uh, nuclear armaments, or it has something to do with that. Uh, it certainly has everything to do with the book of Esther as far as the symbolism is concerned. All right, so in verse 7, in the first month, that is the month of Nisan, in the twelfth year of King <clears throat> Ahasuerus, they cast per, or lots, that means that is a lot before um, Haman, from day to day, from month to month to month, to the twelfth month, that is the month of Adar. And so casting lots, that's what they did basically, And casting lots is basically just tossing uh, some things and and hoping one of the lots would basically uh, tell you what you need to do. Uh, here's a commentary from John Gill. It says, which answers to part of January and part of February so that the lot was cast for every month and, and every day of the month throughout the year to find out which was the most lucky month and which the most lucky day in the month to destroy the Jews, and none could be found till they came to the last month and the thirteenth day of that month. All right, so basically, lots was used for that. So, uh, and let's get a better definition of lots. According to the Complete Word Study Dictionary, it says a masculine noun indicating a portion or a lot. A lot was cast, probably a stone or stones, to decide questions or appoint persons for various reasons, for portioning land, for assignments of various kinds, such as ghosts on the Day of Atonement, or Yom Kippur, priests, singers, musicians to their duties, uh, for living in Jerusalem, 
for allotting slaves. Lots were cast to distribute garments. The word also is used to refer to things allotted such as the land or even the boundary itself of an allotment. It refers figuratively to one's destiny or fortune, but notes an allotted share or portion in the age to come. Finally, it can designate a portion or allotment for someone in the sense of um, recompense or retribution. All right, so that's that's what a lot is. All right, verse 8, And Haman said unto King Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people, and they certainly are today, aren't they? <laughs> the Torah or, or, or the Bible is certainly different from, from every every other law, right? Neither keep king's laws, therefore it is not for the king's prophet to allow them. Verse 9, if it please the king, let it be written that they may be destroyed, and I will pay 10,000 talents of silver to the hands of those that have the charge of the business to bring it into the king's treasuries. And verse 10, and the king took his ring from his hand and gave it to uh, Haman, the son of Amadatha, the Agagite, the Jews, the Jews enemy and the king said to Haman the silver is given to thee the people also to do with them as it seemeth good to thee and verse 12 then were the king's scribes called the 13th day of the first month and there was written according to all that that uh, Haman had commanded to the king's lieutenants and to the governors that were over every province and to the rulers of every people of every province, according to the writing thereof, and every people after the language of the name of King Ahasuerus, was it written and sealed with the king's ring. And the letters were sent by post unto all the king's provinces to, to destroy, to kill, and to perish all Jews, both young and old, little children and women, in one day upon the thirteenth day of the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, and to, to the spoil for them. Pray. The copy of the writing for a commandment to be given in every province was published unto all people that they should be ready against that day. The post went out, being hastened by the king's commandment, and the decree was given in Shushan the palace. And the king and Haman sat down to drink, but the city, Shushan, was perplexed. And so, anyway, that gives you the backdrop basically of Haman certainly being a type of the anti Messiah. He was a lawless one. He did not uh, respect the law of the Jews, which is really the law of the Bible, because the Jews, they keep the Torah, the instructions and doctrines and commandments of God, the, the first five books. And, of course, they consider the entire Bible, the Tanakh, as also being the instructions and the guidance and doctrines of God. And so uh, one of the things that, you want to notice here, Esther 3, verse 8, <clears throat> And Haman said unto king Ahasuerus, There is a certain people scattered abroad and dispersed among the people in all the provinces of thy kingdom, and their laws are diverse from all people. Neither keep they the king's laws. Therefore it is not for the king's prophet to allow them. That's kind of prophetic because God's people today follow a, a Jewish, a Jew, and a Jewish Messiah, and a king of Israel, and that is the Messiah himself. And that's in John 1, verse 49. He is the king of Israel. And so if we call ourselves believers in Jesus or Yeshua, then we follow the king of Israel and we obey his laws, which are Jewish. <laughs> so, so we have to understand that. 
And I don't think many people, matter of fact, I know many people don't realize that when they say, oh, I believe in Jesus, uh, you're believing in the king of Israel, you must obey those Israel, Israeli laws or those Israel laws that that king is over and that he uses to rule his kingdom. All right, so 1 John chapter 2, verse 18. 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, says the following. It says, Little children, it is the last time, and, it is, and as you have heard, that anti-messiahs shall come. Even now are, they, are there many anti-messiahs, wherefore we know that it is the last time. And so that is a significant statement here in verse 22. Who is a liar but he that denies that Yeshua is the Messiah? He is anti-messiah that denieth the Father and the Son. And so if this is serious, if you don't believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, you have the spirit of anti-messiah. And then you could also deny the Son by not believing the words of God. If you say you believe, but yet you don't believe his words, you're denying Messiah. Uh, when you do that, whoever denieth the Son, the same has not the Father. And so if you deny the Son, then you also deny the Father. You have the spirit of anti-Messiah. And the spirit of anti-Messiah is a spirit of lawlessness. It's the spirit of lawlessness. And then in verse 27, he says, But the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you, well, that doesn't mean that no one teaches you. It just, uh, in this context, it's talking about wicked people. And ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it is taught you, you shall abide in him. And so, again, what you need to really understand, even in the context of Purim, is the Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth, and truth is defined as the entire instructions of God. Psalm 119, verse 142. Thy Torah is truth. And then we must worship him in spirit and truth. People tell me, well, what about the people in the Baptist church or whatever? They they care about the poor. Is God going to throw them in a lake of fire? No. He's not going to throw them in a lake of fire if they have no clue about what they're doing. Uh, here's another scripture for you to understand. Here, John 15, verse 22. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had sin. But now they have no cloak for their sin. So you have to be aware that you're sinning for it to be sin, ladies and gentlemen. And many of the, the 41,000 uh, different denominations, Christian denominations, they don't understand that the law is not nailed to the cross. They are taught and brainwashed that the law is nailed to the cross. They do not have the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth means that you have the Holy Spirit that will teach you that the law is not nailed to the cross. And I know that's a, as a very difficult statement to accept, ladies and gentlemen, but it is true. The spirit of error is the spirit of anti-Messiah. It's the spirit of lawlessness. That's what it is, ladies and gentlemen. That's why there's many anti-Messiahs in the world today. Um, I know that's tough revelation for people, but it's the truth. First John 4, 
Verse 3, and it says, And every spirit that confesseth not that Yeshua Messiah is come in the flesh is not of God. And that is that spirit of Messiah. Wherefore you have heard that I should come, and even now already is in the world. And it certainly is already in the world, ladies and gentlemen. Certainly in the world. And then go, getting back to verse 1, because I don't have too much time here. It says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits. What are they be of God? Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Verse 2, Hereby know that ye the Spirit of God, or hereby know ye the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesseth that Yeshua Messiah is come in the flesh is of God. And then in verse uh, 5, it says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God, he that knoweth God hear of us. He that is not of God speaketh not. Verse 6 of First John 4. We are of God. He that knows God hears us. He that is not of God hears not us. Hereby know we the spirit of truth, spirit of error. The spirit of error, of course, is linked with the spirit of Messiah, And then the spirit of truth is linked with the Holy Spirit. And that is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, I have a lot more to talk about. Looks like I'm going to use the... Uh, the extra time I, I have here in the archives to to because there's, there's some other things that I really need to speak about, and so you can listen to this um, Bible study in the archives. Uh, I'm going to be going off the air here in the next eight minutes, but uh, I'm going to go over a little bit because I need to cover some other material here that's very important, and you can listen to the entirety of this program in the archives um, after 9:30, so it, it should be ready. I'm assuming around 10 o'clock. All right, so let me go over to the um, rest of this here because this is very important. Second John one verse seven. Second John one verse seven states the following: It says, "For many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Yeshua Messiah has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an anti and an antichrist, an antichrist." And so that that certainly is someone who who, who does not believe that Yeshua is the Messiah, that's an anti-Messiah, but also as someone who is lawless, uh, that actually does not believe that you should keep the commandments, the Sabbath, the holy days. Second uh, Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Second Thessalonians 2, verse 8. Uh, actually, starting in verse 7. For the mystery of iniquity already worked. That's continued sin that you don't repent of. Only he who letteth will let until he is taken out of the way. In verse 8. And then shall that wicked, and it is interesting that the King James translators translated the word wicked for lawlessness because that's what the word means in the Greek, lawless. And so, so that, uh, here's another translation I think is even better. Uh, the uh, complete Jewish Bible translation says, Then the one who embodies separation from Torah will be revealed. The one who the Lord Yeshua will slay with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the glory of his coming. So we know that the spirit of Messiah also is a spirit of lawlessness. It's a spirit of error. It's a spirit of error. In verse 9, when this man who avoids Torah comes, and that's what the Christianity, the 41 denominations, most if not all of them state, that the Torah is done away with, right? They avoid Torah. They avoid Torah, the complete Torah. 
and they say that the law is nailed to the cross. That's, that's not the spirit of truth. That's the spirit of lawlessness, the spirit of Messiah. Verse 9, when this man who avoids Torah comes, the adversary will give him the power to work all kinds of false miracles, signs, and wonders. He will enable him to deceive in all kinds of wicked ways those who are headed for destruction because they would not receive the love of the truth. Not the spirit. They, they didn't receive the spirit of truth. They received the spirit of error that that could have saved them. So you're saved by the spirit. Of, uh, you, you're saved by loving the truth. And how do you love the truth? You do it. You do the truth. Hold your place here in Second Thessalonians two verse ten. Turn to First John, chapter three, verse sixteen. And read this in the King James version. States the following: Hereby perceive we the love of God, because He laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Verse seventeen: But whoso have this world's good and sees his brother has need and shuts up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwells the love of God in him? It's impossible for the love of God to be in you if you don't care about people and you don't visit the sick. Don't when you have the opportunity, you don't. Uh, if you have the opportunity to go visit someone in prison that you know or, or even don't know if you have the time to do it, uh, if you don't do those things, how can you say the love of God is in you? Uh, verse 18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. What is truth again? Psalm 119, verse 172, truth is the doctrines and instructions of God. And it says, hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall show our hearts before him. This is doing the law, not just talking about it. And so in verse 10 of Second Thessalonians 2, verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. That lie has something to do with thinking that the Torah is nailed to the cross and that um, you should avoid it because it's something bad. Verse 12. They that all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So that's that's very significant to understand the Haman or the, the anti-Messiah. In Matthew 24, verse 15 and 22 is significant in understanding um, Purim, because Purim is somewhat a type of the uh, Great Tribulation. Uh, Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 15. says, When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoever readeth, let him understand. Now, there was no temple involved in Purim, but certainly the persecution is going to be similar to what is going to happen during the Great Tribulation. Verse 16, then let, let them which be, do, do, be in Judea, the West Bank, flee into the mountains. Let him which is on a housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto him that are with child and to them that give suck in those days. Verse 20, but pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on Shabbat day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, nor ever shall be. And, and except those days should be shortened. There should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake those days shall be shortened. All right, I'm going to be going off the air here in the next 20 seconds, but you can listen to the entirety of this program in the archives. I believe this is a very important 
Well, all of them are important, but this is certainly an important program for you to study. Parim, the Feast of Lost, the Intimacy, and the Great Tribulations. Please listen to the entirety of this program in the archives. Shalom. Peace. All right. I'm going to continue on here, uh, program. And Daniel chapter 12 tells you basically what's going to happen in the end times, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to be uh, very difficult. It's going to be some tremendous suffering that people are going to have to go through. And we're going to all have to to really, um, to God at this time, to be able to survive. Some of us will, will need to give our lives for God. Some of us will be fortunate enough to be protected during a tribulation, which will last three and a half years. But uh, the key to all this is to follow the instructions of God here. And Daniel 12, verse 1, states the following. And at that time shall Michael, this is talking about the tribulation time, the great tribulation time, shall stand up the great prince which stands for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time, and at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. It's talking about the book of life. Verse 2, and many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And verse 3, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Verse 4, but you, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end, this 21st century, ladies and gentlemen, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased, which is a prophecy of the Internet. Knowledge certainly is increased, so much so that I don't need to go to the library. I can just type whatever I want to type in the Google search engine, and it pops up in front of my face. And besides that, we have computerized concordances. We have all types of other computerized or technology-based helps to help us understand the Bible. So knowledge has increased, and if knowledge has increased in that in the biblical area, then our our understanding of the Bible has increased as well for those who want to truly understand it, and for those who God is opening their minds to understand the Bible. Verse five. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two: the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on the side of the bank of the river. Verse six, and the other side of the bank of the river. Verse six, and one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river. How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And this is the, the, if you want to know the answer to this, folks, we need to pay attention to the Bible instead of paying our money for all these people, uh, for, I mean, distributing our money or paying for prophecy books and so forth by people who just want to make money off of you. So we need to, to focus on what the Bible is saying here. And by the way, little disclaimer, I will never, ever, ever sell any of my teachings because I, I can't see Yeshua uh, walking the earth and here, here's all these books that I wrote here, but but you got to pay for it. No, no, I don't see him doing that. Isaiah 55 says to hey, here, hold your hold your place here. I, I'm going to to explain something here because people think that if they pay for something, that it must be true. 
Not necessarily. Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone that thirsts have come ye to the waters, and he that have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Of course, the wine and the milk and and, and, and all that is symbolic of religious teaching, spiritual knowledge. Verse 2. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfies not? Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Incline your ear, and come unto me here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant or agreement with you, even the sure mercies of David. Or David. All right, so just because something price tag on it doesn't necessarily mean it's true, ladies and gentlemen. That's the point I'm trying to make. All right, so getting back to this pivotal prophecy in Daniel chapter 12, which is linked with Revelation chapter 12, by the way, and verse 6 of Daniel chapter 12. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Verse 7. And I heard a man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand into heaven, and swore by him that liveth forever, that it shall be a time, one year times, two years, and a half. So that's three and a half years, 42 months, as the Bible likes to say as well in the book of Revelation. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, what was said in, in Purim here, uh, the book of Esther, about the Jews, they are scattered, right? And anybody that attaches themselves to the Jews or does what the Jews do are also scattered. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. In verse 8, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he says, for Daniel, because it wasn't meant for Daniel to understand. It's meant for us to understand. Those who are in the 21st century is, uh, is for us to understand these things. Verse 9, And he said, Go thy way, Daniel. For the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. Verse 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. It says, none of the wicked shall understand. The wicked are those who have the spirit of error. They do not understand the Bible. They think they do, but they don't. They don't, because they don't have the love of the truth. Many shall be purified and made white and tried. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. The wise shall understand, ladies and gentlemen. That's what your Bible says. And we have to understand who is wise and who isn't wise. And what is the Bible definition of someone who is truly wise? So... We have to understand wisdom and who has wisdom and who doesn't have wisdom. And what does wisdom do for you and and, and so forth. It says right here in Proverbs 4, verse 7, wisdom is the principal thing. It's the principal thing. Get wisdom of all thy getting. Get understanding. And in Proverbs 9, verse 10, says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of holy of the holy is understanding, ladies and gentlemen. So it's very important for us to understand the importance of wisdom. 
uh, without wisdom. You know, Proverbs, actually the, the purpose of the, the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1, verse 2, to know wisdom and structure, to perceive the words of understanding. And so the Bible says another significant thing about wisdom In Psalm one ten, Psalm one eleven, verse ten, it states the following: The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, a good understanding of all they that do His commandments. It's a good addition by the King James translators. His praise endures forever, and so that's how you get wisdom by doing His commandments, not just sitting there and doing nothing, thinking that the laws. Um, in verse ten, of Daniel chapter twelve. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Verse 11. And from the time that the daily, the daily sacrifice, you look in Numbers chapter 28, uh, it talks about the daily sacrifice. That was the sacrifice of the lamb in the morning and in the evening. They're gonna, once they build that temple again, and uh, go to www.templeinstitute.org, uh, www the to read for yourself what's going on in Jerusalem in reference to planning to build a third temple. Verse 11 of Daniel chapter 12, And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that make them desolate set up, there should be 1,290 days. So if you're still alive at this time, that's when you start counting. But none of us know when that's going to happen. So watch. Verse 12, Blessed is he that waiteth. For those who are alive, we will be waiting, and we will come to the 1,335th day. That's not a Bible study. Verse 13, But go thou thy way to the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. All right. Pretty interesting as it were, lot there. But anyway, let's turn to Esther 4, verse 13 and 17. Esther 4, 10 and 17. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Verse 14, For if thou altogether holds thy peace at this time, there shall, there shall there, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed, and who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this. So, uh, God arranged for her to be married to King Ahasuerus so that he can perform his miracle of saving the Jews through that arrangement. In verse 15, then Esther bade them return Mordecai this answer. Verse 16, go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan and fast ye for me and neither eat nor drink three days. That's what fasting is, if you want to know what fasting is. Night or day, I also and my maidens will fast likewise and so will I go unto the king, which is not according to the Torah, and if I perish, I perish. Well, not his. That's the that's the king's law, not not the Torah. I'm sorry about that. Uh, and if I perish, I perish. So, and that's the attitude that we have to have during the tribulation, ladies and gentlemen. If you perish, you perish. And verse 17. So Mordecai went his way and did according to all that Esther had commanded him. And then Revelation 12 verse 11 highlights his attitude. Revelation uh, 12. Verse 11. 
says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So Esther had that same attitude, and we must have that same attitude, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so let's go to another scripture in Esther. And then we'll sum this whole study up about um, trying to help you to understand the book of Esther, the Megillah, in a simple way. Uh, Esther chapter 9. Esther chapter 9, verse 16 to 13, verse 16 to 32, rather. But the other Jews that were in the king's provinces gathered themselves together and stood for their lives and had rest from their enemies and slew of their foes 75,000. But they had not their hands on, on the prey. On the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the fourteenth day of the same rested day, and made it the day of feasting and gladness. Verse 18, But the Jews that were at Shushan assembled together on the thirteenth thereof, and on the fourteenth thereof, and on the fifteenth day of the same, they rested and made it a day of feasting and gladness. So this is where we get Purim from, or Purim. Verse 19, Therefore the Jews of the villages that dwelt in the unwalled towns made the fourteenth day of the month of Adar a day of gladness and feasting, and a good day, and of sending portions one to another, and Mordecai wrote these things and sent letters unto all the Jews that were in all the providence of the king uh, of the king Ahasuerus, night and far, to establish this among them that they should keep the fourteenth day of the month of Adar and the fifteenth day of the same yearly, as the days wherein the Jews rested from their enemies and the month which was turned unto them from sorrow to joys of the morning unto a good day, that they should make them the days of feasting and joy and of sending portions one to another and gifts to the poor. In verse 23, and the Jews undertook to do as they had begun and as Mordecai had written unto them. Verse 24, but because Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of all the Jews, had devised against the Jews to destroy them and to cast pur, that is, the lot, to consume them and to destroy them. Verse 25, but when Esther came before the king, he commanded by letters that his wicked device, which he devised, remember that the Antimessiah is that wicked one, right? Uh, against the Jews, against the Jews, should return upon his own head, and that he and his son should be hanged on the gallows, and the, and, and the, uh, the Antimessiah will be destroyed, just like uh, Haman was here. Wherefore they call these days Purim, after the name of Pure, therefore, for all the words of this letter and of that which had seen concerning this matter, and which had come unto them. And then verse 27, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves unto them. Okay, so this is a significant scripture here, verse 27. The Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon, and see, Yeshua came from the... The seed of Judah, he is a Jew. And so obviously, since this is in the word of God, he certainly lived by every word of God. And so he also kept Purim. This is a simple proof to prove that Yeshua certainly kept Purim because it is commanded in the, in the instructions and doctrines of God. This is scripture that the Jews do this. And so the Jews have always done this, um, the observant Jews. Verse 27, the Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed, and upon all such as joined themselves unto them, so as it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time in every year. 
And so there's nothing wrong with keeping the traditions that don't void the law of, of God. And this certainly does not void the law of God. And it is a, a commandment in the Bible that we should follow Yeshua's example. And he was a Jew. He kept Purim based on Esther 9, verse 27. He's certainly a, a, upon the seed of, uh, of, he is a part of the seed of the Jews because he is a Jew. And so if he was a Jew, he kept us. And so that means that we should keep it too because uh, we want to follow his example and he is the king of Israel. All right, so according to their point in time every year, verse 28, and these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every family, every province, and every city, every family, every province, and every city who are either Jews or spiritual Jews, ladies and gentlemen, because you can be a Jew. Let's turn to Romans uh, chapter 8. And when I mean spirit, I mean in character. Okay, if, you, if you believe in, in Messiah, you're going to want to learn Hebrew. You're going to want to, 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 to uh, embrace the Jewish traditions. So that's what it means in spirit. It doesn't mean that you're literally a Jew, but in character you are a Jew. All right? uh, we must have the Messiah's mind. Uh, to have his mind means that you're going to think like a Jew. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, actually 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2, verse 16, actually verse 15, but he that is spirit judge of all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. In, in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 16, he who has known, for who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. Christ or the Messiah is a Jew, and if you have the mind of Messiah, you have the mind of a Jew. And so you're going to be thinking like a Jew. That's how you're spiritually a Jew, ladies and gentlemen. Confirmed at Romans, confirmed by Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2, verse 28 to 29. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh, verse 29. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision of the heart. In the spirit and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men but of God. And Gill has an interesting uh, quote here about this. I don't want to read here if I can find it. Let's see. John Gill. He has an interesting quote here about what the Jews have said about this. I can find it here. But he is a Jew which is one inwardly, who has an internal work of grace upon his soul, who has not only an outward name, but an inward name, nature, not the law of God in the hand, but in the heart, not an external righteousness only, but internal holiness, and who is not a mere outward court worshiper, but a worshiper of God in spirit and in truth. The Jews have a saying themselves, that whosoever denies idolatry is called a Jew. So that according to them, this is a name that is not confined to themselves, but belongs to all such who truly fear and worship God. And they say in the same place that Pharaoh's daughter was called a Jewish because she denied idolatry and went down to wash herself from the idols of her father's house and elsewhere. All right, so that's what it means to be a Jew. You can be spiritually a Jew, not physically a Jew, but spiritually a Jew in character and having the very mind of Messiah which, by the way, is through the Spirit. Galatians 2, verse 20 says that Christ liveth in me, 
And then in Romans 8, verse 9, it says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of Messiah, or God, dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Messiah, he is not of his. So that Spirit is a Jewish spirit of character, ladies and gentlemen. Let's understand that. Because I know most people don't understand that. And they are blindly or ignorantly worshiping Jesus and don't know what they're worshiping. All right. Getting back to getting back to Esther chapter nine. Esther chapter nine. All right, verse 27, a significant verse again. The Jews ordained and took upon them and upon their seed and upon all such as joined themselves into them so it should not fail that they would keep these two days according to their writing and according to their appointed time every year. Verse 28, and these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation, every generation, including the 21st century. <laughs> every family, every province, and every city, and that these days of Purim should not fail from among the Jews, nor the memorial of them perish from their seed. Then Esther the queen, the daughter of Abihel, and Mordecai the Jew, wrote with all authority to confirm this second letter of Purim. And he sent the letters into all the Jews to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus with words of peace and truth. And so this certainly has everything to do with peace, because peace certainly has something to do with keeping the law. Psalm 119, verse 165 say, um, Blessed are those, great peace have those who love their Torah. The tor- or keeps the Torah, which is the truth, and nothing shall offend them. Um, Esther 9, verse 31, or cause them to fall. To confirm these days of Purim and their times appointed as Mordecai the Jew and Esther the queen had enjoined them as they worked as a team, and as they had decreed for themselves and for their seed the matters of the fastings and their cry. And the decree of Esther confirmed these matters, and it was written in the book. It was written in the book. All right. And then Psalm 72 certainly pictures the wonderful world tomorrow uh, where there will be peace on the earth. And Purim pitch, certainly pictures that, the conquering of the anti-Messiah and the coming of the kingdom of God. Uh, right here, beautiful psalm, Psalm 72, verse 1. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness to the king's son. He shall judge thy people with righteousness. This is a prophecy of the Messiah, the king of Israel, and thy poor with judgment. The mountains shall bring peace to the people, and the little hills by righteousness. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy, and it shall break in pieces the oppressor. Verse 5, they shall fear thee as long as the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. He shall come down like rain upon the, the mound grass, the showers that water the earth. In his day shall the righteous flourish in abundance of peace. So long as the moon endureth, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river unto the ends of the earth. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Verse 11, yes, all, yea, all kings shall fall down before him. All nations shall serve him. Verse 12, for he shall deliver the needy that when he crieth, the poor also and him that have no helper. Verse 13, he shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit, from deception and violence, and precious shall their blood be in his sight. Verse 15, he shall live, and to him shall be given of the gold of Sheba prayer, and also shall be made for him continually. Daily shall be 
shall he be praised. Verse 16, there shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit there shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun, and men shall be blessed in him. All nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever, and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. Amen. The praise of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. Are ended. In Matthew 4, verse 4, let's remember what it says. In Matthew 4, verse 4, it says the following. It says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. All right, so, how do we observe Purim? Well, the Jews traditionally read the Megillah, the book of Esther, which recounts the story of Purim, miracle. Uh, We also give money and gifts to the poor on this day. And we send gifts of food to friends, and we have a feast. And Purim, again, means lots and refers to the lottery that Haman used to choose the date for the massacre. Uh, the Purim holiday is preceded by a minor fast. A minor fast is when you go without food and water starting in the morning, and then in the evening uh, you end the fast. The fast of Esther, which commemorates Esther's three days of fasting in preparation for her meeting with the king. The primary commandment related to Purim is to hear the reading of the book of Esther. The book of Esther is commonly known as, as the Megillah, which means scroll. So Megillah means scroll in Hebrew. Although there are five books of Jewish scripture that are properly referred to as the Megillahs, Esther, Ruth, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, and the Lamentations, this is the one people usually mean when they speak of the Megillah. It is customary to boo his staff feet and rattle uh, whenever the name of Haman is mentioned in the service, the purpose of this custom is to blot out the name of Haman. We are also commanded to eat, drink, and be merry. According to the Talmud, a person is required to drink until he cannot tell the difference between curse be Haman and, and blessed be Mordecai. Now, this is interesting in light of what people, some people are, are teaching that uh, you can't drink wine at all, and I don't agree with uh, drinking to the point of... Uh, <laughs> That you can't tell the difference, but uh, that's that's uh, that's a Jewish tradition. I don't think we should go by. But but anyway, Purim is not subject to the Shabbat-like restrictions on work that some other holidays are. However, some sources indicate that we should not go about our ordinary business on Purim out of respect for the holiday. And so that's something that you need to work out between you and your family. It is not a Shabbat, but uh, our Lord, our Master, kept the day, and we should do it as well. Because uh, in First John 2, verse 6, which is in the context of keeping the commandments, it says we ought to follow his example. And so that is a, a summary of Purim. Uh, you should um, worship it the way the Bible commands us to worship today. We read the book of Esther. We give gifts to the poor. Uh, I wouldn't do the costumes and all that. I mean, that's... that's uh, that's a Jewish tradition that I, I wouldn't go by, but uh, it's nothing wrong with uh, having like a Purim play, someone playing Haman, someone playing Esther, someone playing Mordecai, and someone playing the King Ahasuerus, and uh, that'll be a nice little play for the children. And help them to, to understand the prophetic significance of Purim, that it really is a type of the Great Tribulation, it's a type of the Anti-Messiah, it's a type of 
having the wrong spirit, the spirit of error, which is the spirit of anti-Messiah, which is a spirit that does not have any truth. And that the world, most people in the world, don't have the spirit of truth. And so those are the things that it's very important to understand about Purim and what it represents. And so with that, ladies and gentlemen, may Yah bless and keep you. And Yah willing, I will be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.